It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. seen her on Power 105's The Breakfast Club, verbally sparring with Charlemagne the God, or being featured in Forbes magazine for being hailed as the next Steve Jobs as she became the first black woman to partner with a major credit bureau. She is the founder and CEO of Credit Rich, a fintech company that combines financial literacy with education and technological innovation. Money Movers, I am thrilled to welcome to the podcast the one, the only, Angel Rich. Angel, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Money Moves podcast. I know you are super busy these days, so I'm so grateful to have you here. So welcome, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm extremely excited to be here with you today, and I can't wait to dive in. So I know you got a chance to meet with some of our team on the streets of Greenwood. I love that and I've heard so much about you, but I want to start off by understanding or giving our Money Moves audience a chance to understand a little bit more about your journey um, as an entrepreneur and a successful black woman in tech. What led you to get started in the tech business? Well, interestingly, I was actually a researcher first. I was a global market research analyst for Prudential Financial. And so I'm a data statistician by trade. And as I was conducting the different research studies, I was noticing how much of a need for financial Mm -hmm. education there was, not only from a philanthropic and sort of diversity perspective, 
but also from a business perspective, because ever since uh, the financial mm -hmm. crisis, people have not really trusted the financial institutions as much, and they've wanted to become educated themselves. So that led me into designing the product, which ultimately ended up being technology, education technology specifically, to be able to help people learn financial literacy. Oh, I love this. So you started off as a data scientist. You were in sort of like the finance numbers world and then really started to, you know, see a pattern for people of color, et cetera, and built a solution to help us build wealth. Like this is incredible. Thank you. Yes. Um, one of my goals and dreams as a child was to be able to conduct the African-American financial experience study. Of course, I didn't have that name, but growing up in a life insurance sales family, it mm. always boggled my mind why people didn't know how to manage their money. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to figure out some type of solution to be able to help our community. So from the very first day that I arrived at Prudential, I started working on that African-American financial experience study. And that in tandem with 70 plus other studies that I conducted while at Prudential, it just was a clear cut path that education and financial education was going to be needed. Wow, that's incredible. Over 70 studies. You know, something you said there really stood out to me. You came from a family that seemed to really push and teach financial literacy from a young age. And oftentimes in our communities, we have not been afforded that um, opportunity to be passed down generation after generation. So the work you're doing, I think, revolutionizes and changes the trajectory for so many people of color in our country. Tell me more about Credit Rich and Credit Stacker. Thank you. Well, I'm very excited. After a, a, a very good tenure at Prudential, I decided to break off and create Credit Stacker. Credit Stacker was the first ever financial literacy mobile game on the market. I sort of decided to leave my job after a trip to Africa and I met a little boy in a Wharton t-shirt after just receiving a full ride to Wharton from Prudential. Wow. And yeah, and I realized that no matter how smart he became, he probably would never have the opportunity to actually go to Wharton. Yeah. So we created Credit Stacker. Credit Stacker, essentially, we reverse engineered the Fair Asset Credit Reporting System and applied game mechanics to it. Mm. So it's similar to Candy Crush, except for swapping around candy, you swap around credit types to be able to pay off your debt and learn from the multiple choice questions and achieve a high credit score. So you and basically gamified how I can increase my credit score and basically financial status. Yes. I love yes. that. Essentially, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it did so well um, that it grew to become the number one education app in 14 countries, top five in 40 countries, and was named the best financial literacy product in the country by the White House Department of Education and J.P. Morgan Chase. I'm literally like tearing up. This is incredible. This is so powerful because you are just changing the trajectory for so many people. You know, I want to say like there's so many different directions where I'm you're taking me right now, but I want to talk a little bit about your choice. Like you had this cushy job at Prudential. You could just sort of stay there and, you know, do the work, take home a paycheck. What was it like realizing you had this calling to entrepreneurship and how did you know that it was safe for you to quit your job and launch this business? Because I think this is a question so many people wrestle with, especially women in general. Absolutely, that is a fantastic question. Um, one, I was raised to be an entrepreneur. Mm. I like to say I was born an entrepreneur and then I was raised as a businesswoman. 
I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, they didn't even want me to go to college. I had to, uh, I tried to actually join the military. And then when the sergeant called my house, my mother like got all up in arms. And so uh, she said, if you want to go to college that bad, I'll figure out how you, for you to pay for it. So I was the first person in my family to even graduate from college. So it, it was always expected of me to do this. When yep. I decided to quit my job, I did call my parents crying, like, what did I just do? And, you know, to know that it was safe, I did always kind of know that it was safe, yep. but to actually now take that opportunity, that was weird. And yeah. my mother was sort of like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what's happening. You saved up $100,000, <laughs> you've paid off $100,000 of debt, you have an amazing idea, you have a patent pending, and you have people offering you money for the company. I'm, I'm confused about the tears. <laughs> and so uh, that was a very kind of poignant conversation that I'll never really forget. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I never looked back since that day. Wow, that's incredible. I love that. Um, so let's go back. Your two companies that you formed, they're technology-based. This is basically essentially fintech companies. And, you know, for a black woman, there's not a lot of black women in the fintech ecosystem that have built companies like this. So you are the first black woman to partner with one of the major credit boroughs. Can you talk about what that partnership is like and how you managed to secure that? Yes, so Credit Rich rounds up users' spare change to pay their bills intelligently and optimize their credit score as fast as possible in real time. Mm -hmm. We are extremely excited to be in partnership with Experian and we essentially realized in building our last company that it was smarter for us to sort of build with the end in mind mm. when it came to this new product. So uh, before, you know, I was a, a young fledgling mm -hmm. <laughs> entrepreneur, uh, but this time around, I said, if we were to be acquired, who would be the appropriate partner to acquire us? Um, secondly, I also thought about the fact that we were dealing with financial data security. Mm -hmm. I also used to work for FINRA, the Financial yep. Regulatory Authority. So I know how important that could be. I also knew that we were going to be big. And so in order for us to be big, we were going to need a massive legal marketing department, customer service department, uh, technology expertise, and all of these various different things. So in looking at that sort of sphere, we decided to move forward with Experian. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been the least hacked out of all of the major credit bureaus, as well as they have the most customers, having over 100 million customers. Wow. Um, I did not expect them to contact us back, but they did. And interestingly, we actually learned that not only were they um, uh, interested in moving forward, but that we were doing something new with them where they had never partnered with a technology company before to co-innovate and co-release a product. Mm -hmm. Even if you go on Credit Karma right now, experience is not mm -hmm. on there. It's just TransUnion and Equifax. So it's been amazing to be able to develop this. We have a full 24-7 customer service department wow. with them, as well as with our B2B customers. They take on most of the heavy lifting. They continue to do quarterly quality assurance, as well as they assist with our marketing. So I like to think that we uh, negotiated a pretty good deal. Sounds and like I'm pretty it. proud of it. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I love hearing how you sort of architected the trajectory of your company from the very early stages, you know? And it's always a long run, but I think that's a really important lesson for people to understand. Like you built this company based on previous experience saying, okay, if I wanna exit, how can I grow and what are the partners that I can get? And I think that's a really, you know, incredibly visionary mindset in when you're starting a company. So kudos to you. Thank you. I feel like I've kind of gotten it figured out now. Yeah. Um, I'm working with a few programs. I'm doing like this billionaire blueprint thing because now that I have realized just to start with the end in mind, the rest becomes quite easy. Yep. If you know how to innovate and conduct business and marketing and all those other things. Yeah. But you know, I think that was definitely one of the mistakes that I made before. I was just like, oh, we're going to invent this amazing product. And surely, you know, it will just, the money will come. Yep. No, you kind of <laughs> kind of need to reverse engineer that. So, um, and then my partners, uh, my partner, uh, my co-founder, uh, Yusuf, he's former special forces, combat medic. He invented a blood test for PTSD. He's a biochemist. Wow. And so, um, he raised 2 million and then partnered with the top genetics company in the world, Illumina. And then our CTO, Eric Williams, he's a cybersecurity specialist, mm -hmm. and he recently sold his company, Ajura, to Tata, which is one of the top four tech companies in the world. Wow, so, this is the dream team. Yes. And so that was another thing that I learned. You know, you can't do it alone. Um, that was some great advice that I actually got from Steve Case. He mm -hmm. was like, you know, Angel, I'm yep. pretty certain you will be successful. If you want to be successful, you can go alone. But uh, I'm, I'm probably messing this all up. But it's the African No, we got you. You're right. Like, but if you want to go far, go together. And so basically his theme was to build a team. So I sat back and I built this team. And for all of us, this is our second product. So it's been really amazing to work with them and be able to execute this. I love it. And I think that, you know, when you're looking to build like huge scalable technology companies that, you know, can receive capital in this, you really need to look at it like you're building an Olympic team. You need the best of the best to go the distance. And this is a perfect example. Um, smart, smart thinking. So Angel, you were in Tulsa with the rest of the team for the 100th anniversary of the Greenwood Massacre. Um, what brought you out there? And tell us a little bit more about your experience there in Greenwood. That was a very emotional experience. Mm -hmm. um, I was originally invited by Angela Rye mm -hmm. um, for a special that she was filming that's going to air on title on Juneteenth. Uh, my particular segment was on reimagining Black Wall Street. Mm. What I did not know before I arrived there was that I am considered the top black author in the country to have written on Black Wall Street. Uh, I did not Wait, know that. Wait, pause, pause. <laughs> we will not allow you to move over this black girl magic. <laughs> top, say it again, please, for us. <laughs> Come on. Not know that I was the top black author in the country for writing on Black Wall Street. So is that your book behind us? Because we're going to need a close up. Yes. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that people weren't talking about it and mm -hmm. I knew that it had been written, but I didn't know that I was the only black author to have written on it in the past 20 years. That's and it just... was like, what? And it was like, oh, that's why you guys are inviting me everywhere to talk about this. And so. <laughs> it was it, it's just it was just something that I was personally passionate about yeah um, and 
growing up in D.C., we learned so much black history. I sadly, throughout the rest of the country, you don't learn as much black history as I was fortunate to learn. Mm -hmm. And as I was working on the African-American study and I was receiving uh, different hurdles as I was going through it, I wasn't understanding why so many people were at a disconnect for what was happening in the community. And I remember one of the pivotal moments of me finally being able to get the budget approved uh, was me explaining that my great grandmother was raised by a slave and I was raised by my great grandmother. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh my gosh, you have a direct connection to slavery. And I was like, yes, do not allow me to freak you out. Most black people do. Right. And, and they're like, whoa. Yeah, so that was kind of like the original reasoning behind me even sort of going down this path and mm -hmm. writing a chapter on Black Wall Street. Then fast forwarding to me actually being there in the presence of sort of these buildings that are now just marked by these plaques on the ground that our people are walking over, just simply walking over the Cotton Club plaque that is tucked in a corner under a uh. overpass that they have now just run straight through where the beach hotel, top uh, black hotel in the country and the cotton club uh, used to be. It's, it's a shame. It's sad. It's really it's, sad it to sad. kind of see. And when you are there on the ground and you sort of are able to picture the geographical location of it, it's very easy to be able to see the sort of uh, totality of what happened and everything that transpired. Well, thank and you I, for- I just look forward to helping to rebuild it. No, I, I appreciate you. I applaud you for being able to put that down on paper, making an indelible mark on the world and telling those stories because without you and you know, these voices and stories would never be shared. So it is, it is meaningful to so many people. So let's take a minute to uplift you, sister. And can you please tell us Show us the book again. We want a close-up of it and tell us where we can buy it. Obviously, I'm always about supporting your local businesses and small businesses, black-owned businesses in your neighborhood. If not, you can go to that big monolith on the, on the internet, but please tell us about your book. Absolutely, thank you. Um, so History of the Black Dollar is available on Amazon and pretty much everywhere books are sold. It's all, also available in the libraries. Our mission is to get this book mandated in schools across America, Ugh. not just as a black history book, but as an American history book, because black history is American history. Yes. And one of the key points of the book is a direct trace of the economic history of black America from the very first slave mm. that entered America to present day. Another thing that was researched about the book by the state of Illinois I had a friend that wanted to put it in the libraries and at first it was a little bit of pushback. The state of Illinois conducted a research study on it and they found that there was no other book that had been written like it in the past 10 years and had not been written by a black person. And that was years ago before I went to Greenwood and found mm -hmm. out this recent information. Which so is so it true, yeah. is currently taught in K-12 schools as well as universities, as well as many corporations buy it. We recently partnered with a company called Answer Source, where we've now developed courses around it as well. Wow. We've broken sort of the chapters down into these 10 minute granular educated modules. And we're looking to roll those out across uh, corporations and schools as well. So we think that it is a, a really good way to be able to have a completely mm -hmm. unbiased, factual perspective of our history. 
And the last thing that I'll say on this is one of the main reasons um, that I decided to actually pin it and publish it mm -hmm. is I was speaking at the uh, university, the Harvard University, and I asked everybody to raise their hand if they have read the diary of Anne Frank. And everybody raised their hand. And so it's like, of course, because it's mandated. Right. And then I said, now tell me the book of a child slave or even the Jim Crow era that's mandated in our schools. Nothing. And nobody could name one. And I said, okay, well, that's an event that took place over across four years that was in another country as opposed to something oh. that was 400 years in our own country. Wouldn't it make sense for us to have empathy towards it in the same way that we do towards the Jewish community? Absolutely. And I deeply believe that that disconnect is because we are not all reading from the same book. No. So how can we be on the same page? Yep. Yep. Oh, well said. That That is exactly the point. And if we don't know our history, how do we create and shape our futures, our present and our futures? So I love that you just were motivated to go out and be like, this needs to be everywhere. These stories need to be told. Everybody in this country, not just black, white, should know these stories. Absolutely. It is a very important. I call it financial agriculture, you know, <sighs> because in regular uh, agriculture, you can't just keep plotting peas or carrots mm -hmm. in the same plot over and over. For proper growth, you're really supposed to rotate the crops every three months in order to have the best soil yes. and to have the best sort of fruits of your labor. So the same has to happen for financial agriculture. We cannot just be within our same community, although I agree with collective economics, but we also have to be able to mix and mingle with other communities yes. to be able to fertilize that soil so that we are all sort of rising to the top and being able to have the best for what we're doing. And if we do not in our own community, as well as outside of our community, have an understanding of that history, as you said, then we will never be able to advance because there will always be a belaboring of excuses yes. that may be false conceptions and other type of notions instead of having an accurate history of what really happened. All right, Angel, such a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell our Money Moves audience where they can find you on social and please tell them where they can find your apps so that they can fix their credit? Absolutely. Well, first of all, go right now and download Credit Rich on Google Play. You can also then slide over to Amazon and pick up a copy of History of the Black Dollar. And then go on over to Instagram and follow me at angelrich27 and go ahead and follow Credit Rich app as well. Thank you so much. You guys have your to-do list, so please go and follow and purchase. Money Movers, if you want more information on all the knowledge and gems that Angel just dropped, please go to bankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, 
and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.